I would say if you are considering the transition, certainly apply for BreakLine. That was one of the best decisions I ever made because I would have never found this cool opportunity with Datadog without BreakLine. And I learned so much about the skills I had in the military and how to transition and apply them to the, the private sector as well. But I would just say, you know, bet on yourself and, and really believe in yourself because you wouldn't have gotten to this point in your military career had you not have learned and grown as a leader within that time and, and overcome adversity. So transitioning is scary, right? But there's light at the end of the tunnel. How we doing out there, folks? This is your host with the most, Kenny Vaughn. I play for Team Breakline, and I am here with my partner in crime. What is up, everybody? It is Sophia. I play for Team Breakline, and Kenny, I am amped to be back in the arena with you. And to kick things off, we wanted to read for you guys a lovely review that Dan A. Sandy left for us about the Breakline Arena. He gave us five stars, and he said, Breakline Gems. Breakline has so much knowledge. I always enjoy listening to all the podcasts they release because I know I will take away many golden nuggets. I highly recommend taking the time to listen to great life lessons and advice from the Breakline team and their special guests. Dan A. Sandy, mm, you have just made my day. The fact that you took the time to leave us a review and the fact that you are taking so many golden nuggets away from these conversations, that is why we do this. So thank you, Dan. We really, really appreciate you. All love going to Dan right now. And for our listeners, we actually have a special surprise before we dive into our actual guest, TJ O'Connor, who's at Datadog right now. We got a special guest in the arena. Caitlin Baker from our customer success team is here. Caitlin, can you give us a little bit of insight into Datadog as a company, what they do, what they're about? We'd love to hear more from you there. Hi everyone, I'm Caitlin Baker on the customer success team at Breakline. I'm so excited to manage our partnership with Datadog. Datadog is an online serverless web monitoring application. So for those of us non-software engineers, I'll try to explain what that means. Basically, if you're on a serverless system, information has to travel through an intricate web in order to get where it's going. There's all kinds of places where that information can be changed, lost, or hit bottlenecks. So Datadog is able to pull that information into one pane of glass so the client can look at it and figure out where the problems are arising, what the consistencies and inconsistencies are, and write new code as needed so that their information can get to their app and therefore their customer as seamlessly as possible. Datadog has clients around the world, and they have big offices in Boston, Denver, and New York. They're a great place to work, really high rankings for employee satisfaction. Thanks. Oh, Caitlin, thank you so much for giving us the tea. That I'm telling you what, look, you got me fired up about Datadog right mm-hmm. now. So we should probably talk about this conversation with one of our Breakline alums, TJ O'Connor. Sophia, what did you take away from this conversation? Yes, um, Caitlin, thank you. and. TJ O'Connor. Okay, so one of our core tenants here at Breakline is we absolutely love working with people who are gritty, who are curious, who take every opportunity that comes their way and they just cannonball into the deep end. And that is exactly the type of personality that TJ has. And we couldn't be more excited to share his, his story, his journey, and his participation through Breakline. Yeah, and you know, so one of the things, and I'll be super brief, is I really love 
the depth that TJ goes into in regards to his military transition. As someone who's recently transitioned from the military myself, I know what a huge decision it can be. It's such a personal and such an individual decision, not only for the service member, but also for the family. And so the insight that he gave to what that journey looked like for the O'Connor family was really beautiful. For all of our service members who may be considering transitioning out, this is a great conversation to listen to, give you some great context on uh, what could potentially be on the other side of the equation. So we're just super excited to share this conversation with you and appreciate you once again for joining us here in the arena. Sophia, I don't know about you, but should we give the listeners what they came here for? Let's dive in. We will see you guys on the other side. TJ, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for making the time. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me, Kenny. So before we dive right in, I got to... Uh, you mind if I share a little something with our listeners? That's okay oh, with gosh. you? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I want to give you a super shout out. I want to give you a shout out because you actually, correct me if I'm wrong, but were you a, were you a listener to the Breakline Arena before you started the Breakline program? I was. See? See? So I wanted to call that out. Because for all of our listeners out there, folks, this could be you. <laughs> Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> well, in all seriousness, TJ, it's, it's such a pleasure to be able to catch up with you. I know we have a lot of ground to cover. Congratulations. I know you just landed your role at, uh, at Datadog. Absolutely want to dive into that here in a little bit. But before we do, would love if you could just share with our listeners a little bit about your background. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Would love to hear uh, a little bit more about your, your origin story. Yeah, sure. I'll try and keep it short. So I grew up in Houston, Texas, kind of in the suburbs. And then from there, I went to the Air Force Academy for college, kind of on a whim. I uh, learned about it kind of last minute my senior year. It seemed like a really cool opportunity. So just went for it. And then from there, graduated in 2013 as a cyberspace operations officer. It sounds a lot cooler than it is, uh, but I went to went to my tech school and Biloxi for a year, and then uh, I was off off to the races at uh, NSA Washington for three or four years, doing some cool stuff there that I can't really talk about. But now you know, from there, you, you know I got <laughs> you know I got to slow you down because you're covering a whole lot of ground, and this is what I love about our breakline community is there's a lot of humility in what you just got done sharing. I mean, you slipped in the NSA National Security Agency, Air Force Academy. Did you have any any family members that served? Can you can you share a little bit more insight as to how you ended up at the Air Force Academy? What led you to yeah, serve? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so my, no one in my immediate family had served active duty, but at the time, my older sister was in ROTC at Texas A&M. She's two years older than me, so she kind of uh, told me a lot about it. But from watching on the sidelines, I knew, hey, you know, I don't, I know, I don't want to go to A&M Corps of Cadets. Isn't my scene. <laughs> so uh, I was like, oh, you know, uh, that's cool. I'll let you do your thing out there. Um, and it was really cool the things she got to see and do, but. She was. She told me about Air Force Academy, and you know it was kind of like West Point, Annapolis, which most people are more familiar with from where I was from. You know, so I did some research, and you know it's in beautiful Colorado. You know, great, great academics. You know, lots of great opportunities there, both in school and after school. So that was kind of how I learned about it. And can, and for those folks that are unfamiliar with the service academies, can you share a little more insight into your experience? Was there any major takeaways that you? What was it like being at the Air Force Academy? Yeah, I mean. Uh, 
Uh, it's very untraditional college experience, as I know you, as I know you're aware of, Kenny. But uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 a four-year college institution, just like any other college in terms of four-year program. But uh, you know, your freshman year is very rigorous in terms of the military requirements that are uh, imposed upon you, just to instill you know discipline and things like that to kind of to kind of bring you into the the core of what the Air Force ideology is, right, in service. But from there, once you kind of make it through that gauntlet of freshman year. Uh, you know, it feels largely like a normal college experience as, as much as it can, right? At a military academy, you know, you, you can leave, leave base or school whenever you want, have a car, things like that. So you feel a lot more like a normal student, but there are really cool opportunities. Like you can jump out of airplanes, you can fly airplanes, you can fly gliders, you can have really cool summer internships or summer opportunities where you travel and go to active duty Air Force bases. One summer I got to go to Ramstein, Germany for a month and uh, shadow some active duty officers and just travel all over Europe on the Air Force's dime. So really, really cool opportunities like that. And I'm, I'm sure at all the uh, military academies. So I appreciate you taking the time to unpack that a little bit more for our listeners who might not be familiar with the service academies. One of the things that I love uh, as a fellow service academy graduate myself is the lifelong relationships and friendships that you're able to form at some of these places. And You know, as I think about the Breakline community, I know that's absolutely something that we're striving to build is, are those lifelong relationships and friendships? And I think it's it's almost ironic that, uh, you know, as you found out about the Breakline program, that was an introduction that was made by a fellow service academy grads. Is that correct as well? Yeah, it was uh, a friend, uh, Haley Wilson, who I know is a Breakline all-star. She's over at, at Google now, crushing it. But yeah, she... She, I had kind of seen some of her posts about it, so I had reached out and kind of asked her about it, and she, she raved about you guys. From that moment on, I had Breakline on my radar from when I was thinking about making the transition, and then I, I did some more research and ultimately applied. And I remember applying and telling her about it, be like, hey, you know, I just did my essays, and I just spoke to Sergio and a director of admissions um, and all this stuff, and she was super helpful along the way and throughout the process, so yeah. Uh, and I, I, there's a couple other grads too that I know that went through Breakline from the Air Force Academy at least um, who had nothing but great experiences as well. Sweet, sweet. So appreciate you sharing that with us and would love to hear a little bit more about your, uh, your career in the Air Force. Can you tell us a little bit more about your specific job, the role? I know you mentioned that you did some work with the National Security Agency, but would love if you could just unpack that experience for us a little bit more as well. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, even within military circles, I, I would say that I probably had a pretty untraditional, uh, you know, active duty career, eight plus years. But, you know, out of, after I finished my tech school or check technical training for cyber, I went to NSA for three years. You worked in a couple Intel squadrons, a communication squadron, doing a lot of uh, global ISR, intelligence surveillance reconnaissance type, type work there with some of the intelligence units there. And then doing some more uh, traditional communication squadron cyber stuff like managing network infrastructure things like that right from there i volunteered for a career broadening assignment in air force recruiting you know i wanted to get away from the windowless nsa life can't bring your cell phone to work you know type environment to a little bit more you know like uh you know outgoing i can interact with people tell more people about what i do what my day-to-day life is like so i I got picked up for an air force recruiting assignment out in the pacific northwest um, in washington state which was an incredible assignment. I got to travel among Alaska, Washington, Oregon. That's where we, we had all of our recruiting offices. I was a flight commander out there, you know, supporting our recruiters in the field as an operation flight commander and a support. So all the logistics behind them, 
working with our ops team to make sure they're uh, meeting their mission needs, right? Um, a lot of a lot of good stories out of there as well. I can tell a quick one if you don't mind, but yeah, absolutely. The, uh, my first month there, my my boss or my commander uh, asked if I was interested in doing an oath of enlistment at the Portland Trailblazers game. So, you know, I was brand new out to there, and I was like, yeah, heck yeah, I'll do that. That sounds awesome. I'm a big NBA fan. So I go down there. This is 2017 to kind of give you some context. So first month in the job, I go down there, put on the service dress, go all at half, you know, on the court at halftime with about 50 high school kids, you know, on the jumbotron doing the oath of enlistment. You know, as soon as I get to a certain part of the oath, you know, booze start raining down because it's Portland, right? So, you know, pretty tough environment uh, for some of the military circles out there, but a pretty traumatic experience, right, as a first month in Air Force recruiting. But it was uh, it was cool because the, the Trailblazers, you know, really, really felt bad for, for me, really, in that situation and kind of apologized and got a signed uh, jersey out of it. So that was cool. <laughs> but needless to say, kind of a baptism by fire that first month in Air Force recruiting out there. So, so as someone who has also spent some time in recruiting and admissions, um, I, I know <laughs> I know how challenging it can be in some of these environments, especially on the West Coast. But just to hear, you know, the organization step up in a first class kind of way and bring it back full yeah. circle, pretty cool to hear. And so yeah. if, if you wouldn't mind taking a little bit of a deeper dive, I know one of the experiences that you kind of shared as you were just kind of going through your break line application process was just your role in leading technical teams in the Air Force. And I know that you've transitioned to a very innovative and technical company, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, but would love to hear more about that leadership experience that you had as an Air Force officer leading those technical teams. Yeah, so uh, when I first got to NSA, I worked for an information assurance shop of about six or seven Air Force members, which was very daunting at the time because these airmen were super smart and savvy in what their job was, essentially safeguarding all the information on that air, on that installation and the NSA members as well. So, so when I got there, I was I was like, man, I'm yeah, I'm in way over my head. But I had some great NCOs that kind of take me under their wing and kind of show me their ropes and say, hey, you know it's not your job to, to know every single little thing. It's, you know, our job to kind of look after you, but at the same time, you need to, here's what you need to learn. Here's how you need to operate within these parameters. So it was a great first six months in that role before I kind of transitioned to uh, a different role where I was in charge of the client service center. So kind of like the Air Force geek squad, if you will, on base where they, you know, they work trouble tickets. They are client service technicians go out to the field, fix computers, troubleshoot for whether it's VIPs or or anyone else on the base, asset management, things like that. So having to learn all those different facets of the communication squadron uh, kind of MO was was really important in, for me as an early officer to kind of understand, hey, this is how the Air Force does cyber, how they do communications, how they run their servers and their networks. And, and with a little sprinkle and a little NSA flavor too, with a lot more restrictions uh, and parameters in place there at Fort Meade my first three years. But I got to work with some just amazingly talented people that are so smart and had been at NSA for a long time and were just super willing to, you know, take me under their wing and share their wisdom. And as a 22-year-old second lieutenant, I'm sure you know it's it can be daunting just to step into those situations and the expectation to lead and, and you know, navigate some, some problems which aren't easy, right? So here you are at the age of 22 leading this technical team. What do you think were some of the biggest leadership lessons that you learned from that experience? 
It's a great question. You know, I would say like, it's okay to ask questions. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't come in cocky, but I felt like I had just, I had done well in my technical school and I felt like, Hey, I, I learned a lot over the past year. How can I leverage that? Got to my new environment and realized, Hey, most of what I learned, it's useful, but it wasn't really applicable to my current environment. So I had to rely on my, kind of those senior technicians, senior operators and, and ask them, Hey, you know, you know, I don't know everything by any means. Is there, can you point me in the right direction of, you know, what material I should work on outside of work so I can become savvy on this? Um, because I hate not knowing something that's is kind of one of my quirks is like, I hate getting to a new job and being that new guy on the block. And everyone's just kind of like, hey, take your time. You know, you'll ramp up in no time. But, you know, I like to just ramp up as quickly as possible. Even even in my new role at Datadog, you know, they've been super great. But they're like, hey, don't worry, just soak it all in. And, and I and I get that to an extent, but I just I like to like to be you know get going right. Um, so, where do you think that competitive drive comes from? I mean, I don't know. It's so funny because uh, no one in my like immediate family, like my sister and my parents, aren't ultra competitive. But I played soccer my whole life. So, and but whether I'm playing you know board game or Scrabble with my wife or things like that, you know, even my four year old, you know, I'm gonna win. I I hate losing. Uh, I'm not a sore loser, but I you just... Been ta- you be taking advantage of them four-year-old on Scrabble board, man. Hold on now. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, shoots and, la- shoots and ladders could go either way. But, but uh, you know, if, if there's a chance that where it's not random, you know, I'm going to go for it. But no, I, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's been something that's really helped me my whole life, just whether in school or academics, you know, just would do the best I can do, right? And, that, and I'm good with it at the end of the day if I gave it my all. You know, if I came up short, I came up short, but... That's kind of the mentality I was I was kind of raised raised with. So, you mind if I brag on you for a quick second? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I know you shared about this experience in in terms of leading the technical team, um, but you got some receipts, man. You got some receipts from this. Is you 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 ain't do a half bad job, man. I see you 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 were serving over three thousand users. You closed over 1,200 trouble tickets and ensure there was a 99.2% network uptime connectivity. So you shared a little bit about the humility to ask the questions, to be willing to learn from your teammates. What do you think ultimately led to just the efficiency and success of that team that you had a chance to lead? I mean, it was just you know a very open and transparent relationship we had both with my team, my, my NCOIC or my now commissioning officer in charge and just the, the trust and culture we created within those within those respective shops. I think, you know, I, it's probably cliche to talk about having a work family, but, you know, it's what it felt like every morning we come in, catch up, you know, what you know what was going on in our personal lives as well as our professional lives. We'd figure out what we need, what we need to take care of and we would just get after it. And, you know, how, you know, if, it, if there were some long days involved, you know, we kind of, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, hey, this sucks type environment. It was, hey, this is what's being asked of us. This is what we're going to get done. And, you know, we're, we're just going to get after it. And that was the, the mentality that almost everyone in, the, in, in, those, in those respective shops at NSA shared, which, I mean, they're all professionals. But I, I inherited a great team, and I, I like to think that I helped make it better, too, by the time I left. So I want to give you a, a kudos and a shout-out because I think as someone who's also served in the military for a number of years, that's not always the case, <laughs> yeah. you know. And you realize the impact that leadership has on culture, the impact that leadership has on the organization and ultimately the impact that that leadership has on outcomes. So to be able to see you create that tone and that environment 
for your, you know, for your soldiers, your airmen, and your civilians to succeed, that's huge. So kudos to you for being able to knock it out the park. And before we transition to your military transition, I also want to give the listeners a little bit of insight because they're not going to be able to see your background. But I'm looking, first off, shout out for repping the home team. You got the brake line hoodie on, so I, I love seeing the brake line blue. Of course. But then also you've got Armed Force Services soccer in your background. And I know you talked a little bit about your experience as a soccer player. You had a really cool opportunity as a service member to, to play soccer. Would love to hear a little bit more if you could share that story with our listeners. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was honestly one of the highlights of my active duty time, to be honest. Every every year, every other year, the all Air Force sports would organize a tryout camp for all, all active duty members to try out for the all Air Force soccer team. And so they would invite 40 active duty members from across the Air Force, no matter where you're stationed, to a training camp. And then they would have three a days and whittle it down to a final roster of 18 players. And then from there, you would take a follow-on trip to the armed forces. Now, 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 just for clarification, we we not talking about the extracurricular. You know, you got the unit soccer, and everyone kind of oh, no. shows up no, after no, no, physical no. training. No, you, you talking about across the entire air force, people are coming for this exhibition type yeah, competition. Yeah, so, is that is that? What yeah, so you apply you apply to go to camp. So a few hundred people, however many people apply. The coaches, they take 40 people to camp, so they fly you, you, you step away from your primary job in the Air Force with commander permission, obviously. You step away from that for however long, a month or so. You try out, if you make the team, that final roster of 18, you fly out to wherever the Armed Forces tournament is being held and you play Army, Navy, Marines. And however you do, you know, if you if you do well in those first three games, then you make the final and you can play whoever else did well. You can win a gold medal, gold or silver. So. I was fortunate enough to do that four times in my career for, with all Air Force team in various locations. It was awesome. Got to go to San Diego, got to go to Washington, Georgia, North Carolina. Those were where all the tournaments were hosted when I played. And then on top of that, I got uh, I was fortunate to be picked up for the All Armed Forces Team USA squad as well twice. So got to go to Oman in 2017 for the Military World Cup and the Military Olympics in 2019 in China. So that scarf you see is, I don't know if you can tell, but it's signed by the whole team. We all got those in China. So it was really cool. Really cool memento. So you're saying you're kind of nice out there on that soccer pitch. That's what you're telling us. I try. I try. <laughs> oh, I love the humility. I really do love the humility. So you served for seven or eight years, right? Would love to hear what led you to make the transition into the tech industry and say, hey, it was time to hang up the boots. What was it that that kind of facilitated that decision for you and your family? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my wife's a high school English teacher. So she we had gotten married kind of in the middle of my first uh, assignment in, in Maryland. And so she kind of stepped into halfway to that assignment, did her student teaching there, and we moved to Washington. And so just with every move, as I know, as I'm sure you're aware, because you have kids as well, but it's tough on family, right? especially if your spouse works. And so I kind of saw firsthand how, you know, my wife would put down roots in the community, teaching, you know, and getting to know all the kids in our neighborhood and things like that. And then when we moved from, for example, Washington, it was really hard emotionally, right, for her to just kind of leave all those relationships she had cultivated over the years there in her teaching community and move to Texas where, where we ended up closing out our Air Force time in Houston. But 
you know, and my daughter who's four about, to, she just started kindergarten this week. Uh, you know, it's tough for her cause she was growing older and, you know, also, you know, making really good friendships uh, with her peers. So I just, you know, a lot of tough conversations with my family and wife, but, uh, you know, but ultimately we realized, Hey, you know, I don't, we don't think that this is right for us. You know, I, I know it's, it works for a lot of people, but for us, it just, it didn't feel like we were going to, it'd be a long-term solution to stay in the military. And, and as I'm sure you know, the, the TDYs away from home, the work trips, right? They stack up and that time you can't, you can never get back. Right. And so I have a two-year-old son too. So how, you know, I had a few TDYs that were a couple months long here and there, and it, was, it got harder and harder, right? As I, you know, the, the nightly FaceTime calls, things like that, all the family moments I was missing out on, you know, I realized like, hey, you know, I don't, I don't have to, you know, I did my time, you know, I don't have to stick it out for 20 years. I'm, you know, it's not, I'm not a quitter for leaving early, right? Or things like that, that mentality. So it just, we got to that point where we found a natural jumping off point this past year out of Houston, where uh, I was teaching ROTC at University of Houston. I had a really great boss there who was very supportive of me and my decision to leave that job a little bit early and really haven't looked back since. And my, my wife and family have been so happy here in Colorado and especially with our new journey with Datadog and her new teaching job as well. My daughter's in kindergarten. So, I mean, we couldn't be happier. And at the time we knew it was a tough decision and, but we knew that it would be so rewarding, you know, six months from now or a year from now. So that was a long winded response to your question, but. No, I appreciate it. And first and foremost, I just want to give a shout out to all the military spouses because, um, you know, I'll tell this to anyone who's willing to listen, you know, service is, is a family venture. Oh, yeah. And so for all of the military spouses who, to your point, have to transition jobs, have to try to, you know, maintain family, shout out to you. We see you. We appreciate you. We love 100%. you. 100%. Um, and then second, I wanted to I wanted to see if you could run this decision back in slow motion for us because there are probably a fair amount of our listeners who are at a crossroads right now trying to figure out whether or not they should stay in the military or make the transition out. I know for myself personally, it was one of the most difficult decisions of my life. Absolutely. So for you, as you were weighing out all the different factors, what would be your biggest recommendation or words of wisdom for those folks who find themselves at similar crossroads? Yeah, I mean, I, I, so first off, I was super fortunate. My wife was, has always been my biggest champion and giving me the confidence to, to make that leap of faith, right? To kind of bet on yourself is what I would say. You know, going through a service academy and then eight, eight plus years active duty, that's 12 plus years, right? That's a huge chunk of your life. And that's kind of all you know um, as an adult, right? Um, and so you've become, I don't, I don't want to say complacent, but you've just become, uh, to kind of paraphrase uh, Morgan Freeman and Shawshank, institutionalized, right? And so, you know, not the prison concept, but just that's, that you're, that's you don't know anything me. else. I see where, I know, I know where you're not going that, with. I know yeah, where you're going. You're good, you're good. Making that comparison, but just, it's all you know, right? And so change is hard and, you know, and it's a scary world out there. And so. And you've and you and you're and you've and you've provided a certain level of stability financially and all those other things for your family. And so to to just kind of say, hey, you know, I want to try something different. It's going to kind of venture out into the unknown. It's it's risky. It's risky, man. But but I think you know if I could, I guess, impart some advice to other people in the similar stage, right? So when I was serving active on active duty, you know, there was all the people, hey, are you going to do twenty years? I'm sure a million people ask you that question when you first started and 
as a brand new attendant, you just kind of smile and say yes, right? Because that's kind of the expectation. And it's kind of a loaded question early on in your career. But as you kind of gain some time and wisdom, you kind of realize, hey, like, I don't know, like I, I, my response later on just became my wife and I, we take it one assignment at a time. You know, we're obviously we love serving and everything, but, you know, we're going to look out for the best interests of our family as well. Right. When they were they were never competing priorities. Right. Family always came first for us. And I worked for a lot of commanders who who I saw firsthand that, you know, whether, you know, from serving 20 plus years and all the deployments and TDYs, you know, it paid a toll on their family life. And I didn't want that for my family. So that was a huge component of my rationale making that decision. But. You know, and I talked to a lot of people that were like, when I did get out, they were like, why are you leaving? Like, you've had such a, a, a good career, you know, like, you know, you're almost halfway done. How can you just throw it all away? And yeah, and, and those responses always kind of wrinkled me a little bit just because I was like, well, you know, sticking it out another 12 years or so, there, there's nothing, nothing is guaranteed, right? And I could, I could be living in a place I don't want to live or in an area my, I don't want my kids to go to school or or I could be in overseas for a year or two at a time, right? So the, I, I, I liked having that, that component of control back in my life. Honestly, that was the biggest, one of the biggest factors that kind of led me down that path of making that decision, so. And I, that definitely resonates with me because uh, as someone who served 13 years of active duty, I absolutely yeah. am very familiar okay, yeah, with the I'm sure you got a lot of it. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is, is my father served 25 wow. years, you know, so, you know, I'm coming from a background where you have the other end of the spectrum where you do have that, you know, you do have that certainty, you do have that longevity of service that, that, you know, that retirement. And I think for a lot of service members and families, you know, it's, it is, it is a complex and challenging decision, but this is why I love hearing stories from folks like yourself, because I think a lot of times it is difficult to weigh the counterfactual, right? That's one of the great things that I loved about the military is you, you do have such a high level of certainty and predictability in terms of, you know, you know your finances, your career progression, oh, yeah. the type of opportunities that may be afforded to you. And, and, and that, was, that was a tremendous blessing for me. But then to your point, Sometimes it is difficult to weigh a decision without having a clear understanding of what's on the other side of the opportunity. And that's why I think these conversations are so important is because as someone who is on the other side of the decision, it's great to already see you thriving in a new organization and a new role uh, and to realize that, hey, you know, the world's going to keep spinning. Life will continue, you know, if, if you decide to make that transition. I got to ask you one more question before we dive into your your break line experience and then, you know, your your work here at, at Datadog. What was the hardest part of the transition for you? What, what was what was was it was it all was it all uh, sunshine and rainbows? Were there any tough days? I mean, days? I would like, like to tell What was the toughest? What was the toughest part for you? I would like to you, tell man? you, Kenny, it was all sunshine and rainbows, but I mean, it wasn't. I'm a realist. And so so like I mentioned earlier, I was teaching ROTC at University of Houston in like the last days of my active duty career. However, I had been picked up to attend uh, field training in Mississippi this for this past summer, even though my, my separation had been approved. So what that meant was I had to go to Hattiesburg, just outside Hattiesburg, Mississippi at an army uh, guard base for 70 days in the, in the summer 
away from my family when I was trying to transition out process and apply for jobs. So I was extremely stressed out because I, I didn't think I, would, I was going to end up having to go because I was separating, right? But my number po- came through. So I, I came and, and the, the leadership side of the experience and mentoring all the RTC cadets through there was ama- it was a great experience. And some of the other officers I worked with alongside with every day, great friends for a life that I made. But while applying for jobs and, you know, being away from family during that time when you, your, your support network, right, was very challenging. You know, every day I would wake up at like 3 a.m. because I worked the morning shift. So I wake up every day at 3 a.m., you know, put my uniform on, stumble outside in the dark, go over to where the cadets were, wake them up, work a shift from 3 to noon, go back to my room, and I would prep for interviews or read books or research roles, work with the break line folks. And that was my that was my life for like two months, to be honest. And so it was tough, but it... You know, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because I in disguise because I had the space to just focus in my room after work on on jobs and the application process. But it, it sucked because I was away from my family. My wife had to kind of shoulder a lot of the burden and responsibilities of, of moving all of our stuff to Colorado and being a single parent. So that part was very stressful. But you know, when I ultimately got the job with Datadog, you know, I was so so excited and my wife was so elated for us. And she had actually gotten hired before me, so. I was joking with her that I might have to be her pool boy in Colorado until I could get a job. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it all worked out. But you know, I, I put in a lot of put in a lot of work and energy into it to kind of manifest that. But you know, the breakline team really helped helped uh, you know tap into some of those anxieties that I had and realize, hey, like you can do this. You know, you have the ability to. You're more than qualified for some of these jobs. Like, don't count yourself out. You know, that whole imposter syndrome, it felt real at the time when I was applying for some roles, but I was ultimately able to get over it. So so can we give a quick shout out to, to Haley Wilson as yeah, well? Yeah, absolutely. Because I will concur. She is she is absolutely a rock star. I appreciate her for bringing you into the fold, into the Breakline family. Can you share just a little bit more about your Breakline experience, some of your big takeaways yeah. and just how it kind of helped as you transitioned into yeah, your Yeah, so... Um, I applied, I got into the April cohort earlier in the year. And so I'll never forget like dialing into the one of the, the weekly Zoom uh, curriculum calls where Bethany, Bethany Coates was leading it, the founder of Breakline. And I was just so blown away by how, I just how polished and knowledgeable she was. And I, I forget the, ex- the specific example, but we, we were tasked with reading a case study and then she started cold calling on people. And I'll never forget that first. I sat up straighter in my chair. The infamous cold call. And I was like, whoa. And I, and I just watched her like cold calling people. And, and if some people weren't prepared, she just boom to the next one. Because, hey, like this, you know, this is a, everyone in here, their break line is here to help you, right? So you got you to gotta meet them halfway. And I was just blown away by just how professional and knowledgeable she was about the industry. And, you know, all parties involved. Yourself, you were on some of those calls. And Zane. KCD, the whole team, Lauren Fowle, the whole team, like everyone was just uh, so helpful along the way and with the one-on-ones and the breakouts. So I can, so from my experience, like we had the weekly curriculum calls, right? As you know, where everyone comes together and you learn from everyone. Then we had our smaller breakout cohort calls. So I was in the veteran group and KCD was my instructor. And that was great. We had six or seven vets in our group, just practicing various, you know, elevator pitches why this role is a good fit for me, what companies we're targeting, and just like honestly just sharing um, about where we were all at in our individual or respective processes with applying for jobs. Just being able to relate to other people who, who were like, hey, this seems really daunting. Just having a sounding board to say, hey, you got it. Like everyone at Breakline was just so supportive saying, hey, like 
hey, we're gonna we 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 sourced you a couple of good fits or offers we think or job opportunities we think you'd be a good fit for. Feel free to run at them 100% and let us know how we can help you along the way. So, just getting emails like that from Claudia or or a lot of the the reps for the specific companies like Caitlin Baker, Caroline, which is super helpful and positive, right? To keep those positive vibes up throughout that process. So. I love the story that you shared about the classroom experience as well with Bethany because you, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. Uh, you got to come prepared. If you're going to step into this break line, you got yeah. to be ready. Okay. <laughs> you can't be half-stepping. <laughs> oh, and then, sorry, the other thing I really enjoyed so, was the speaker series where you guys brought in CEOs or you know industry leaders. I remember one the one that I really liked was the CEO of uh, Blend, um, who was like the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, amazing story. I loved hearing how he like helped like fund his way through Stanford playing poker online and worked as a Starbucks and just just I his story was so impactful for me. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. And that and then I was hooked on some of the the, the Breakline Arena podcast. I was listening along. I think I I think Haley had an episode too that I listened to. But yeah, she did. She did. She yeah, came but through. She even came Beth, through. The even Bethany's first episode. I think I I listened to it and really enjoyed what her message was in that episode. I remember, I remember listening to it um, in my kitchen in Houston where uh, I was making dinner one night and listening to it. I'm like, wow, like her life story was really incredible to me as well. So to all our listeners, I'm going to make one last shameless plug for this Breakline Arena. I'm telling you, this could be you. I'm a big podcast guy. <laughs> I like I like podcasts. So. <laughs> but no, but no, on a serious note, I, I did want to ask, what do you think was the biggest thing that you learned about yourself as you were going through your transition and as you were going through the break line process? It may be the same thing, but yeah, we'd love to um, hear what that biggest insight that you learned about yourself I mean, was. I, I think the phrase that everyone at Breakline likes to use is what's, you know, what's your superpower, right? Kind of, and so kind of taking some time to really reflect and kind of unearth what that is, right? Based on the summation of my career and just who I was as a person and, and kind of encapsulate that into my interview process when, you know, I'd be asked questions about like, what's my leadership style or, you know, kind of some of those standard interview questions, but really personalize them and link them to, you know, tangible experiences I had that really showed what kind of person I was or what kind of character I had. So I love how you touched on that as well, because I think as we're going through, whether it's a transition or interview process, it is not often that at least in my experience, we do a ton of reflection. And so I think as you talk about the superpowers, as you talk about your demonstrated track record of excellence, it is important to go back and really identify those strong points, to identify the things that you're passionate about, the things that you have an interest in. Because I know our hope here at Team Breakline is that everyone lands in their dream job. And a huge part of that is aligning yourself with your purpose, aligning yourself with an organization that has a culture where you feel that really tight fit and alignment. And I think most importantly, being able to see where you can drive value and contribute in a deeply meaningful way for the organization that you're gonna become a part of. So really love the fact that you included that as a lesson learned because I think that is one of the most important parts of the Breakline experience is taking that time to reflect and think think about the value that, you, that you'd that you provide to that, that subsequent organization. So speaking of great organizations, 
I'd love to hear some more about Data Dog. I, I know you just, I know you're fresh on the trail. I know this is only week number three. How's it been? What what was it about Data Dog? Can you tell us more about the organization? What led you to want to join their team? A little bit more about your role. Would love any insight that you sure. want to share so, there. Uh, overview, right? Uh, Data Dog is, is, you know, probably the cloud monitoring, you know, performance platform in the SaaS industry, right? So what that means is their product or their platform, you know, kind of demystifies and creates a singular pane of glass, as they like to say, for where you can view your entire IT stack in the cloud or on-prem, right, and on-premises servers. And just helping companies make that transition from on-prem to cloud or monitor if they have a hybrid cloud architecture. Just just a, a really innovative monitoring service, right, in a nutshell. But it's the culture is really what drew me to them. They're, they have about, they're quickly growing, right? Um, so they have around 3,000 employees. So th- they weren't like this behemoth tech company, right? Like a, maybe like a Facebook or a Microsoft or a Google. They still felt small, but I think they went public in 2019. So not necessarily like the, uh, a real startup vibe, but they, um, from my initial call, so, uh, so my current role is a manager of a customer success team out here in Denver. So Denver is their kind of one of their new HQs they're establishing out in, the, in their for their Western uh, footprint or paw print. So for me, when I was op- when I was looking at jobs, I was optimizing for a role in Colorado because that's where my wife and I wanted to end up long term, and with the and with a company that had a really good culture and you know just I wanted to be leading a small team right out of the gate from the military. So for me, um, doing my research for this particular role in Denver and with the the unique culture that Data Dog had checked all the boxes for me, and so. During my interview process with them, it was only reaffirming to when I spoke with my recruiter initially, with my current manager a few times, and with some other people doing the same jobs throughout my interview process. Just hearing from all of them firsthand, and a lot of them had been with the company for four or five years, you know, before they even went public, and just they just raved about how Datadog really, you know, prioritizes their, their professional growth and developing them as managers as well along the way. So that really spoke to me. So I, yeah, I immediately once I learned more made that my number one kind of job on my board, if you will, during my application process. And I just ran at it full speed. I'd be remiss if I didn't give Zane a shout out, Zane Kanab, your director of CS at Breakline, because he was amazing, just kind of, um, just as a great sounding board for all things CS and and going over some of the presentations I had to make and giving pointers. I, I learned so much from him and a lot of his optional classroom whiteboarding sessions, as I'm sure you guys like, to, I know you guys like to make fun of him for his whiteboarding stuff that he does but that guy's awesome <laughs> i learned so much from him and so so much gratitude for him well i, I will concur that uh zane Knob is top notch one of the most stellar and thorough professionals i've ever had the privilege of working with so i know he will appreciate that shout out can you give us a little bit more insight into what your day-to-day sure. is going to be what type of role that you're doing as a uh, as a manager of that customer success team yeah sure so another exciting piece about this i get to hire my own team of about seven or eight customer success associates so each one of them is responsible for managing a book of business about 250 to 300 accounts respectively um, so like you mentioned earlier in the military you know when you show up at a new base you just inherit your team or you just kind of step into a situation here, I'm really excited to actively participate in the hiring process and kind of build out and scale my own team um, that I'll get to work work with, with with the Datadog recruiting team as well. So that was a huge kind of um, factor that led me to apply for that job as well. But but ultimately, customer success is all about you know retention, renewal. We want to retain our customers and we want to grow that base as well with the product offering that they're using. So whether it's new features that the Datadog platform has that they're not aware of or 
figuring out how we can best leverage our new set of tools to benefit whatever company is using our product in the long run, whether it's more visibility behind their stack or, or hey, maybe they're paying too much for their logging technology with a different company, things like that. So just finding areas where we can help them kind of save time with their with their troubleshooting and monitoring solutions, right? So, and each one of our CSAs, you know, has their respective books of business and they're like the main touch point for those. So my role is to help grow them and work alongside of them if, you know, if they need, if something gets escalated or they need help or, you know, something like that. So I'm still learning the Datadog mission and the platform. So I'll have a few months before I really get settled into that role, but it's been a great few weeks so far here. I haven't regretted anything, so. So can you share a little more insight into how your the skill set that you built as a service member has translated into the work that you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just from a leadership perspective alone, like like I touched on earlier, as soon as I had gotten out of tech, tech school, I was already leading a small team. And then a couple years later, I was already leading teams of 20, 30, 40. So just all, in all the trials and tribulations I went through during those leadership you know, environments of hey, you know, what works for some people doesn't work for other people. It's different people have different motivators, different people respond to different, you know, forms of communication or leadership styles. It's taking all that and, and applying it to my role at Datadog. And so from, I'm going to be managing a, a small team, about seven or eight. So I'm excited because that's, I can give more personalized attention to all those members on my team. We can really build out our unique culture, what our identity will look like within Datadog and then grow as a team as well. I'm excited just to, like I mentioned earlier, to have that have that say in who's going to be on the team because that's a really cool facet of that role and then help them grow as well too so they can progress in their careers as well. So one last question I wanted to ask you about Datadog is for someone, for some of our listeners who might not have heard about the organization before this episode, what would be your recommendation in terms of what the what the company is looking for? What type of people yeah. would be a good fit for your team and for your culture? Sure. So, you know, regardless of whether you're a software engineer or CS or sales or, you know, technical manager, there are core traits that they optimize for. You know, it's just, I mean, things like humility, right? Professional growth, you know, you, you genuinely care about the people you work for and with. You have that kind of intellectual curiosity, right? Datadog's a very innovative company and they have so many great resources for you to utilize to grow, right? Whether, say, you're in sales and you want to improve, maybe you're interested in like software engineering or you can take some Udemy courses or you can partner with a mentor that's maybe in software engineering and they can lead you down the path of some, hey, these are some programs and tools you can study if you want to make that transition. So they have, they have so many cool, unique programs in place that, that, they, that they really, that show that they really care about their workforce, right? And, and retaining them and growing them and seeing them su- succeed, right? I, I mean, I'm sure you're aware, like, you know, the technical or the tech space is very, can be very competitive and a lot of companies you know, there's a lot of turnover, but with Datadog, it's the average turnover is much lower um, than what the industry-wide you know rate is, and I think that speaks volumes to the culture that they instill there and how they take care of their people. Well, I definitely appreciate the insight that you've you've given us. I even more appreciate the time that you've taken to share your story with our Breakline community. Uh, would love to leave you with the last word. Any words of wisdom that you have for our Breakline community, our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I would say if you are considering the transition, you know, definitely take the time to, um, you know, certainly apply for Breakline. That was one of the best decisions I ever made because I would have never found this cool opportunity with Datadog without Breakline. And I learned so much about, 
the skills I had in the military and how to transition and apply them, you know, to the, the private sector as well. But I would just say, you know, bet on yourself and, and really believe in yourself because you wouldn't have gotten to this point in your military career had you not have learned and grown as, an, as, a, you know, as a leader within that time and, and overcome adversity. So transitioning is scary, right? But, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, so. Well, all right, good sir. We definitely appreciate you once again for carving out the time. I know you are a busy man. <laughs> Uh, especially as you're preparing to build that team over at Datadog. But in all seriousness, thank you for, for sharing your thoughts and your wisdom with our Breakline community. For all our listeners, if you enjoyed what you heard today, you know we need you to do one of three things. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe, or if you really felt moved by today's conversation, we'd love if you could leave us a review. It helped us get the word out, continue to spread the good news, and most importantly, we'd just love to hear your thoughts on these conversations that we're curating for our community. So on that note, this is Kenny Vaughn signing out with my dude, TJ O'Connor. We will see you all on the high ground. Until next time, folks. Have a good one.